for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. are in week two of a relationship series. We started last week um, with a series that we've entitled Handle with Care. I'm going to try to not fidget with my mic today. Um, And we talked last week about our beautiful Amazon boxes that we enjoy. I got one of these this week. I was really excited. Um, It took me a minute to find something to open the box. I was that excited. Normally I have keys in my pocket. I didn't have keys that day. I had to run into the kitchen. And then it's like any knife. I just needed a knife. Give me something. That's what I wanted to, to have to open the box. And then everything, Cam, everything that I had ordered was in the box. And you know that feeling of satisfaction when you get it all and it's great. It didn't come like this because some of us have experienced boxes that come all messed up. And we don't even want to open those. We're sad immediately and angry, and we got to tell someone. And, and the, the challenge of this series is to handle with care. We want our stuff to be handled with care, and I believe that God wants us to handle our hearts with care. And so we're talking about relationships, and, and we'll try to cover a wide range of things during this series. These first few weeks, we're going to talk most about love, sex, dating, marriage, and staying married. We, we don't just want to concentrate on, on the dating aspect or the engagement aspect and beginnings of relationship, um, honestly, like anybody can get married, right? Like we could go right now and any of us that are not married in this room can go get married. The challenge that most of us know being married is that it is not a challenge to get married, that it's work to stay married, right? You got to put in work. Um, Most of us experience the honeymoon phase where we were like, this is going to be perfect, can, can I share something with you? When, when Mel and I first got married, like, every time she looked at me, I could see that she was just starry-eyed. Like, oh, my gosh. I was just, I walked on. I'm just playing. That's not true at all. <laughs> I just wanted to get you guys a little bit laughing this morning. Um, when we first got married, we, we had to learn some things about each other, right? You, you're navigating the unknown because sometimes we, we give our best in dating relationships and engagements. And, and you see a little bit in the engagement period. I tell couples that are engaged, like JT and Megan recently got engaged, and I've been letting them know, like, this is going to be one of the stress, most stressful things that you ever do in your life. Getting married is that kind of thing. It will pay off. It will be the best day. It will be as close to a perfect day as you could ever imagine. But... Know that going into it, you're going to want to punch people some days. And most of them are going to be close family members. Right? When we first got married, we had to navigate how to talk to each other, how to engage each other. I used to win, guys. I used to win every single argument. Every, they, they weren't, Steve, they weren't even arguments. Um, the minute that there was a disagreement, she would just apologize. Oh, my gosh, it was the best. There's a, look, all right, fellas, look, don't, don't nod your head with me right now because I, I don't want you to pay the price. But the feeling of being right all the time, like, come on, we don't get to experience that anymore. Like, you learn, here's the thing about marriage, you learn that you didn't know how to dress yourself before you got married. You thought you were doing it right your entire life. You did it well enough to attract their attention, but after that, you got no style. You don't get any opinions anymore, and, and I'm glad. Mel dresses me way better now than I probably thought I dressed before, but I got way off track. 
Oh, that was loud in the mic. Can you turn me down just a little bit in the house? Maybe that will help me not to be distracted. Um, it, during this series, I, I want to give you a challenge as we in, engage in week two to not allow yourself to kind of check out when there are moments that maybe they don't apply to you. If you've been married for a while, when we start talking about um, standards and, and, and boundaries and things like that, you might be like, well, that, that doesn't really a- apply to me. Here's the thing. If we're looking at God's word, and if his word is living and active, and if his word is God-breathed, then I challenge you to open your hearts and open your ears and ask God to speak something to you each and every time we look into his word. Here's the thing, and I said this last week, and I'll probably say it every week. Um, If I'm married, if you're married, um, the best way for you to grow us is to grow this person right here. And so I believe that each and every week, God will speak into your heart and challenge you in ways that maybe you've wanted to grow in, or maybe ways that you didn't even expect that God would challenge you, because he does want the very best for your whole life, for your faith life, for your family life, for your love life. He wants to give you the very best. John tells us that Jesus came to give us life to the full, more abundantly, satisfying us in every way. He wants to give you great relationships. So there's room each and every week for us to grow. There's room for me. There's, there's ways that I can be more like Jesus today and tomorrow. There's ways that I can love my spouse like Jesus loved the church. There are ways that he can speak to my heart. So I just want to challenge you. Open up your hearts. Open your ears to what God may be saying. Here's the next thing. There are people in your world that you have influence over that need to hear some of what's going on in this series. They may never walk in this church. They may never listen to the podcast. They may never watch us online. You can invite them. This may be a good opportunity for you to bring someone in and have them experience what life looks like in community here, but they may not. But you may get something. God may speak something to you that he intends on you sharing at work tomorrow, that he intends for you to have a conversation with someone that may lead to what you've been praying for for them all this time. What if one conversation over relationship that you get to talk to them about and share with them your story, what if that gets them inquiring about, well, how did you stay married? How did you do this? And you begin to share about Jesus in your world and in your heart and in your relationship. And they're like, man, that's the missing part. What if this portion of what we look at in God's word today helps them to open up their hearts for a relationship with Jesus? And those of you that have been married married for a while, I challenge you to ask God to speak to your heart. Are there people that you need to begin to connect with? Are there people that need to know the road that you've walked down, the experiences that you have, the bumps, the highs, the lows? Is there someone that God may ask you to even walk beside in their relationship, in their marriage, and so that you can help them along? Because you wish, there were times that I wish someone would have told me some things before I got into it. And maybe that can be you. Maybe God would, would put on your heart to begin to bridge the generational gap that we have. And, and I love, I love that we have generations in this place. It's, it's one of the great things that I prayed for from God. I don't want one of anything. I want um, a community that reflects the kingdom. And they're all parts of the kingdom. There's so many different faces. And I'm so excited about that. And I want to challenge you to begin to look, to bridge the generational gap. Some of you that, that have no idea how to be married or how to find a person or whatever it may be, you better go find one of these people that have been married for longer than you've been alive 
and talk to them and find some things out. You better ask them how they did it so that you can learn some things because we need to know some things. And sometimes we don't know what we don't know or what we may need to find out. So God may be willing to stretch you if you are open to what he would have you to say. When, when it comes to, to relationships, here's kind of where I land. I want for the relationships that I have, I, I want, I'll say it this way, if I die, I want Mel to have a tough time replacing me afterwards. <laughs> right? Look, um, for those of you that watch, if you're like, well, I don't understand, Pastor, what are you saying? If for those of you that watch TV shows, if you watch This Is Us, basically I want to be Jack Pearson. I, I, I want the family to be like, dang, best dad, best husband, how am I going to compete? Like, I, I want, um, if, if, if I'm no longer here, I want her to be like, dang, Kevin loved me so well. He honored me so well. He, he did such a great job that no one will compare. I want to haunt her um, in areas like that afterwards, right? And, and for my kids, um, <laughs> for my kids, man, I, I want them to see me love their mom. Um, I, I want them to see me pursue her and compliment her, serve her. I want them to witness me giving myself for her, sacrificing for her, showing them that outside of my relationship with Jesus, that she is the most important person in my world, that I would give myself like Jesus gave himself for the church for this woman. And for Jordan, for, for my nine-year-old boy, I want him to see um, not just how his father treats his mom, but how his father loves his mom. I, I want him to see the way that I light up when she's in the room, the smile that she brings to my face. I want him to see the way I go out of my way to do something just for her. I want him to witness me holding her hand and how much enjoyment I get out of that. I want him to see me hugging on her. It's one of my favorite things to do is to hug her when he's in the room because he's like, no, it's my turn. And he tries to get in between us right now. Like, I want him to see that. I want him to see that as a healthy relationship. I want him to know how much I enjoy her. I want him to be part of, of laughing with her. I want him to, to learn how to enjoy um, his wife like I enjoy my wife. And I want him and Lex to see and learn how to love when life gets difficult. Because life is not always easy. It's not always the mountaintop. Sometimes you live in the valley. And I want my kids to know that even during those times, you can love like Jesus wants you to love. I want them to see that. And, and as Alexa gets older, I've worked on this since she's been younger. We go on dates. I want her to know how great she is before some scrawny little kid comes and tells her that she's pretty. I'll just, I just be honest with you. I hope that the first time some boy tells her that she's pretty, she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> not because not she's conceited, but because she's heard me tell her enough that hearing some person that doesn't really care about her say it doesn't impact her the way that it does for other people. That she's already been affirmed. She already knows that she's loved, that she's cherished. We go on dates. We've done that since she's been little. I want her to know that she is worth carving out and spending time with. I want her to know, even right now, that she's important. I, I don't want the first time for her to experience uh, a, another guy on a date is with some boy 
I want her to know this is how you should be treated. So that when she goes out on a date, if he don't open a door for you, this is the first and last date. Um, If he's not making sure that you're taken care of, if he's not picking up the check at the end of the night, if he's not, okay, look, my dad set a high standard. And if you don't meet that standard, then you can move on. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, when she, she's getting ready to turn, oh, my gosh, guys, um, those of you who have weapons, I'm going to need some of them. She turns 13 in a couple of weeks. <sighs> Jesus. But one of the things that um, I am excited about for her 13th birthday, she and I are just going to take a trip together, just me and just her so that I can make memories with her, so that she can know that she's important enough that, you know what, I'll pause everything else just for you, just to spend some time with you. That's how you should be treated. That's how you should be loved. See, I want my kids to follow Jesus, not just in in steps of faith or in calling or or looking for for times to be anointed and, and showing their gifts and talents. I want them to see that you follow Jesus and he blesses every part of your life. He doesn't just compartmentalize it. He wants to bless the relationships. He wants to bless my, my marriage. He wants to bless my family. And I want my kids to see this so that they too will want what God has given to us. Because the best gift that I can give to my kids and my grandkids isn't a bank account full of inheritance money. It's a legacy of following Jesus with everything that they have. And that's what I hope to do. Uh, this morning, will you turn, your, turn in your Bibles or grab your phone and turn to Genesis chapter 24? Genesis 24. While you're there, let me just give you a heads up of where we're going and and what you're looking at. The book of Genesis means beginning. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And as we look in this book, it's interesting that chapter 24 is the longest chapter in the entire book of Genesis. You know, when I think about all of the things that are in Genesis, I would think that Maybe creation would be the longest chapter or, or maybe um, the fall of man or, or Cain and Abel. Maybe the flood. Like something like that would be the longest chapter, but it's not. It's actually chapter 24. And what's interesting about chapter 24 is this chapter is dedicated to the story of Isaac and Rebekah. And out of all of the chapters in this book, this is a long one. And I think it's on purpose that maybe God wants to let us know that he cares about our lives and the stories of our lives. And so we get to see some of their relationship here in chapter 24. And this morning, I want to give you three things that Abraham showed Isaac. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. And we are so grateful and thankful that we can come together in your presence and study your word. So Lord, I ask that as we look into your word today, that it would speak to us that there would be something that changes us, that challenges us, Lord, open our hearts and our ears, that we can walk away with something from you, something that changes our relationship with you and our relationship with those around us. God, I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people. Help me to do it clearly and confidently. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 24. Let's start at verse 1. Are you there? All right, I like the yes, sir. Keep doing that. (laughs) Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. That's kind of weird. We may talk about that later. It seems strange, right? 
I've never asked for someone to do that before. Um, Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Let me read it one more time because I got distracted. Abraham was now a very old man. The Lord had blessed him in every way. And one day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. The first thing that we see Abraham showing Isaac is that seasons change. Seasons in life change. As we begin chapter 24, maybe what you don't know, because maybe you're not familiar with their story, is that in the previous chapter, Sarah, Abraham's wife, has passed away. And so Abraham is now old. He was already old when Isaac was born. If you go back and read, it said that his body is as good as dead. That's not a compliment in any sense of the phrase. If you say that to someone, they're not going to be like, hey, man, thanks for that. I appreciate you speaking the word of God over my life. They're not going to say that. They're going to be offended at you for calling them super old. Abraham is way old. His wife has died. Isaac is probably about 40 years old right now. He's single because he's asking for the servant to go and find him a wife. And so as Abraham is looking over the course of his family, his life, and all that God has done, he is recognizing that the seasons are about to change and he has to do something for his son that maybe his son has no idea how to do on his own. So he begins to make preparation. He doesn't want Isaac to be caught off guard that things are changing. There's already been a huge change with Sarah passing away. And Abraham knows that the closer he gets to passing away, that that's going to be a huge shift for Isaac. And he wants some things to be done before that happens. And so he's preparing him. He's giving instructions to the servant to help navigate what is happening next. Because Abraham wanted to ensure this, that not just the promise was passed on, but that the blessings were passed on. And, and, that, and that's a key part. When we start verse, or chapter 24, it says that Abraham has been blessed in how many ways? Yeah, in all ways, in every way. And he wants his son not just to carry on the promise, but he wants him to continue to experience the blessings that he's experienced. So he's setting some things up. And this is a natural thing. Um, JT and Megan are going to be getting married in September. And so you know what I'm doing? I'm giving JT as much information as he can have, as, as much as he wants. The knowledge that, that I have walking into, he's never been married before. He's never been engaged before. And they're trying to figure things out. We spent two hours yesterday just talking about stuff that he has no idea about because you don't know. You don't know what married life is going to be like. You don't know how all of this is going to work out and balance and, and how's this and what's this. And so you know what I'm doing? Because I know that his season's changing. His pops is taking time to sit down with him and have some conversation about what's about to happen next. Because I've walked through that season before. And it was different when I walked through it. But I've learned some things that he doesn't have to hit his head on the wall and learn if I can tell him about it ahead of time. This is what Abraham is doing for his son. He wants his son to be taken care of. He wants his son to continue to walk in a certain direction. So parents, I want to, to challenge you. Parents, spiritual parents, those of you who have influence over other people, as you have your influence with them, continue to help them to expect things from God. 
Continue to show them your relationship with God. And maybe even begin to talk about expecting something from God more than you talk about their career, um, the, the sports that they play, the talents that they have. Maybe you tell them that God has great things for them more than you tell them that they're really good at computers. I don't know. Maybe you expect more for their life than just a paycheck and a good 401k. Maybe we begin to raise the level of expectation of how much God wants to influence our families, that it's not just inheritance that he wants us to pass on, but he wants us to pass faith legacy on to the next generation. So maybe, maybe you need to begin to do that. Um, help them to make decisions early to follow Jesus. Let them see you making decisions that show them how to follow Jesus. There's going to be a point in their lives there that when you say things, it's not going to carry as much weight as when you show them things. I love, um, there's a song out right now by Elevation Worship, and it's called Talking to Jesus. And in this song... Um, the, the man singing it is his, he's praying in a room and his son walks in while he's praying. And the son was like, oh man, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like this is a sacred moment. And he says, no, 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 no. Actually, this is a perfect moment. Why don't you come in and shut the door? Let me show you how dad talks to Jesus. Let me show you how I engage with him in prayer. And as we see the, the song continue to play out, that those moments with dad talking to Jesus leads to the son having his, having his own moments of talking with Jesus. So parents, can I encourage you to continue to have a moments with your kids where you show them what following Jesus looks like. You don't just tell them to make better choices. You don't just encourage them to be faithful or show up at church, but you show them how you've walked with God, how you've experienced God, how you've seen God be faithful, and you point out the blessings that didn't come from you that came from God. And here's what I think it does. I think that if we will do things like that, that it will lead to our kids being open to our leading just like Isaac was open to Abraham's leading. I believe that because Isaac saw the things that happened in Abraham's life because of the leading and the witnessing of his dad's relationship with God, that he saw the faithfulness of their relationship. And when dad is starting to rearrange his life and arrange this next marriage, Isaac could have been like, uh, I'm 40, man, I'm grown. I can pick out my own person. But he doesn't say anything like that. He trusts his dad. He's witnessed some things. He's seen some things. Let's not forget one of the greatest things that Isaac and probably craziest and confusing things was when he was little and his dad was going to offer him as a sacrifice. I wonder what that conversation was like as they walked back home. There were moments that they got to share. And kids, those of you who, who are, have people that, that are going to speak into your life, man, pay attention to what they're saying. Don't just blow them off. Don't, don't treat your relationships, your, your marriages like, we, you know, we're an anomaly. You don't know what you're talking about. You, you're old. You don't know what it's like. Man, look, your love is not that unique. I'll just be honest with you. Be open to what those around you are saying. Now, I, let, let me put an asterisk next to that. Um, not everyone needs to be giving you advice. Everyone can, but maybe, maybe I can say it this way. You don't need to take advice from everyone because we all got that one uncle that when he talks, you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. So, so can I tell you that as you listen to people that are, that are influencing you, that you're, you're watching their lives, um, make sure that the, the top priority there is them following Jesus. Family member and best friend doesn't cut it anymore. 
they may love you a lot, but if they're not following Jesus, if they don't have footsteps that you would want to follow in, then be careful the advice that you take from them. Check out the evidence of their faith before you accept the weight of their advice. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. Verse 3, once again, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The servant asked, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land that you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful never to take my son there. Second thing that I believe that Abraham is showing Isaac. The first one was that seasons change. The second one is another two-word phrase, and it's just simply step forward. Step forward. Steps of faith should always take you forward. Well, what do you mean? Well, here's, here's what I mean. Abraham and Isaac were living in the promised land. They were already there. They were settled in there. And Abraham didn't want Isaac to leave the promised land to go and find a wife. Well, Pastor Kevin, that doesn't make any sense. Well, remember last week we talked about how sometimes us gentlemen, we don't make the wisest of decisions, right? Um, there was a good chance that if Isaac found a woman somewhere outside of the promised land, that he would be content to be wherever she was because he would be so in love. He would spot her, and he, she would be the best thing that he's ever had in his life. And, if, baby, if you want to stay right there, I'll just move right here with you. I'll just come and be with you. You see, Abraham knew something about settling that he didn't want his son to experience. See, because Abraham came from Ur of the Chaldeans to the promised land. But in between that calling of his family to move from the promised land, they actually stopped at Haran. And what was supposed to just be a stopping point ended up being a settling place for his family. So much so that years later, God had to recall Abraham and his family once again to leave where they were to come to the promised land. Abraham did not want his son to experience what a life of settling felt like. He did not want him to think that he needed to settle in this area of finding a wife, that God would take care of him. So if he just stayed right where he was, that would be better. He needed to take steps forward in faith, not backward. Abraham knew. He knew what it was like to settle. He didn't want his son to settle and potentially allow that place to steal the promise from him. He also, if you look at these scriptures again, not only did he not want his son to settle, he didn't want his son to have someone that would lead him astray. There were two things that he told his servant, don't marry, don't let him marry one of these Canaanite women. That seems harsh. Well, they, they didn't follow God. They had lots of different idols that they worshipped. And again, he did not want his son to be put in a situation where eventually his love for his wife would lead him to compromise his love for his God. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. He also wanted someone, look, look at how the, how, how the servant talks to him. Well, what if she won't come all this way? Abraham wanted someone for his son that would be willing to take just as big a faith step as he took. He wanted a wife for his son that could hear the voice of God from the servant and say, hey, I'm looking for a wife for my master's son. He's fine. You probably want him. And he's waiting for that person to hear the voice of God and respond, oh, that's, I hear God. 
Okay, I'll take a step of faith. I will leave where I'm from. I will leave where I'm at, and I will go into the promised land. I will take steps of faith. He wanted that woman to step forward, to continue to take faith steps toward, to demonstrate faith. So here's where it gets fun for me, not you. Don't let relationships take you backwards in faith when God has worked all this time in your heart and in your life. And he's worked on you and in you and through you to get you to where you are right now. His promises are worth holding onto and worth letting go of relationships that will pull you backwards. I'm telling you. But, but pastor, you just don't know. Like, I love them. They, they, don't, they, they may not know Jesus like I do, but, man, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm showing them Jesus. Um, there is no call on your life to be a missionary dater. I'll just speak that over you. Um, if, if the person that, that you're in a relationship with or, or that is pursuing you or that you are pursuing does not have the, the same outlook on faith that you do, they are not a follower of Jesus, I will tell you right now that is a red flag for your relationship. It was a big enough red flag that Abraham told his servant, hey, we, we got we to watch this. There's danger here. Um, here's the problem. Um, we, we think that, you know, I can reach them, right? Well, I'll, I'll be Jesus to them, and they'll come to know. I'll bring them to church. Are they at church with you right now? When's the last time they came to church with you? When's the last time they encouraged you in your faith? When's the last time you had a Bible study with them? Huh. The, the scales are, are, are showing here. here. Here's what God knows. God knows this, that they are more likely to lead us closer to compromise than we are to committing their lives to Jesus. And that's just reality. God doesn't need you to risk portions of your heart and your life to risk your call, to risk your character, to risk your purity. He doesn't need you to risk that for someone. We're going to reach with courage, but this isn't one of those ways. I believe that's why Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians to not be unequally yoked. That we can't mix um, light and dark. That you can't, there are just some things that they don't go together. And when we force it, when we force it, here's what happens. Two different things happens. You can't walk in opposite directions and make any headway. If, if I am, in, am tied to someone right here, not with just a rope, but with like a bar in between us, if I begin to walk in one direction and they begin to walk in another direction, two things are going to happen. We are going to not make any headway. We are more than likely, we are going to walk in circles over and over again. And the other thing that's going to happen is eventually one, if not both of us, will become hurt. Because the more I pull to go in my direction, the more they're jerked and they're hurting. The more that they jerk in their direction, the more that I'm experiencing the pain of them jerking me in a direction that I don't want to go. You will walk in circles for a long time and you will experience hurt that God does not want you to experience. Do not connect yourself with people that are not following Jesus. So take inventory now. 
Take inventory now of the relationship that you are pursuing. What standards do you have? Did you walk into this thinking, man, I just want somebody? Because if you want somebody, I promise you the devil has somebody for you. It's just the truth. He has a plan for your life, just like God does. Although his involves a lot more hurt and pain than I believe what we would hope. Here's, if I'm looking for anyone, then anyone will do. But if that's not what I'm supposed to do, if Abraham is showing Isaac that it's important for me to pay attention, you, you better start paying attention now, before the relationship starts. Your list for who you will allow to pursue you, who you will connect your heart with, if you are handling it with care, the top line of that says follower of Jesus. And then everything else. They could be tall, dark, handsome, short. Uh, they look like they work out. They don't work out. They like to eat donuts. Whatever it is, like just make your list after that. But the top of that list better include follower of Jesus. Oh, all right. Here we go. Pull your toes back just a little bit more. The, the next thing is this. Like when we, when we see Abraham navigating this area, he also says something very emphatic at the end. Should I take Isaac back? What's he say? No, never take my son there. I believe this, that Abraham is showing Isaac that there are some things that you should never, ever do for relationship. What are those things that you need to write down? What boundaries do you need to have that you will never cross? What ways that you will honor God that you will not allow someone to push you towards the edge of compromise in? You better write some things down that you will never do. Married people, this applies to us as well. I've seen too many marriages go through struggles because there were things, they thought they were done with purity. I, I'm, I can, I, you know, I got a ring. I'm good. This doesn't mean that, that all of the, the sexual frustrations, the, the issues that you had before your marriage don't show up in your marriage. And so you better have some things that you will never do in your marriage relationship that will damage your marriage relationship. I will not look at these kind of TV shows. I will not go to these kind of websites. I will not go to lunch with someone of the opposite sex. I will never do, you better have some of those written down. The beauty of this is if you decide before, you don't have to make a decision then. And, and I'll be honest with you, when you begin to develop your standards and your expectations and the boundaries that you have in your relationships, people can sense it. If you have none, you're like, man, I just keep attracting the same people like, Dang, but then when you begin to have standards, those, those people know. They, I, I don't know what it is. Like you give off an aroma like, man, they don't play. I got to go over here, find somebody else. <laughs> nope, they, no, they're, it's too high. I can't, I can't fit there. Have these things thought out before so that you don't have to make a decision when you're in the middle of it. It's one of the things that Abraham is showing. Isaac, steps take you forward. 
step forward in faith. Step forward your relationships, especially the ones that are supposed to last a long time and last a lifetime. These are important enough that you make steps forward in faith. They should be encouraging you to continue on receiving God's blessings and his promises for your life. Let's keep going. I'm almost out of time. The servant asked, verse 5, once again, the servant asked, what if I can't find a young woman who's willing to travel so far from home? Should I take Isaac there to live among your relatives? No, Abraham responded, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife for my son. If she's unwilling to come back, then you're free from this oath. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. The last thing, the last thing um, that Abraham shows Isaac is to stay confident. Stay confident. You see how nervous the servant was, right? He, he wasn't just given this tiny, small task. It wasn't like he told him, hey, go organize all the shelves in the kitchen. He didn't tell him that. You're charged with finding a wife for your master's son. That's a big deal. So he gets a little bit nervous. What if I can't find her? What if she won't come back on and, and on and on? And I love Abraham's response. Abraham says, you know what? If she won't come back, I'll release you from the oath. But here's what I know about God. Here's what I know about the God that called me out of my house in Ur of Chaldeans. Here's what I know about the God who called me once again when I was living in Haran. Here's what I know about the God who promised that I would have a son, who promised that I would have descendants, who promised that I would have a land, who promised all of these things. Here's what I know about the God who has shown up time and time again. Here's what I know about the God who did the impossible. Here's what I know that every time that I see Isaac, I'm reminded of how faithful God is. And the God that has been faithful to me will continue to be faithful in this area as well. Stay confident. God's faithfulness seemed to inspire even more faith in God. Stay confident. Here's what I love about this chapter so far. We haven't even talked about Isaac and Rebecca, right? We haven't seen their names. And that should bring you some comfort this morning. That even before they showed up to the story, God was already working on it for them. Stay confident. Stay confident that, God, that the God that has brought you this far, that has been faithful to you, that has been blessing you, that has been doing things in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships, at your job, the God that has continued to show up over and over again, stay confident that he will not overlook this area of your life. That as you look for, for God to be in this part of your life, in the relationships that you have, that he's already there. That he's sending his angel into your tomorrow. You just keep following him today. He'll take care of tomorrow. One of the best things that, that we can do is to trust him because he wants to guide us in this area. He wants to experience, he wants us to experience a, a, a love life that lasts not just for our life, but continues through the blessings of the next generations. Again, he doesn't just want your family to inherit things. He wants them to experience legacy. And God knows what you need before you do. 
It's why I believe that, that Abraham was confident that God would go into tomorrow. He would already begin to work some stuff out. And we're going to see next week that Abraham wasn't making this stuff up. That God would do exactly what Abraham said he was going to do because God is always faithful to his promises. The promises that he's made to you, he has every intent on keeping. And not only that, he is working right now on those promises for you in every aspect of your life, in every area. So keep following him. Keep becoming who he has created you to be. Keep your eyes steady on him. Seek him first. And all of these other things will be added to you. Seek him. Draw close to him. Know his heart. Stay confident that he's going to overlook this area of your life. Stay confident that, that as you draw close to him, you can hear his voice and you can respond to it. That he's going to love you enough to put you in the right place at the right time. That he's already doing it. Just like he did for Isaac and Rebecca. You know, one of the things about this chapter is we look at this, this relationship is that this wasn't just about Abraham. This wasn't just about the promise that God made about his descendants and his family and, and the Jewish people. We, we remember that God made a promise to Abraham that there would be a seed of his that would bless all of the world. And that God thought so much about you and me he wanted a relationship so bad with you and me that hundreds, thousands of years ago, he put together a marriage that continued the line of Abraham so that the promise that he made that would extend to you and I would be fulfilled. So you can't tell me he doesn't care about every aspect of our lives. He worked back then so that he could get to you and me. He loves you that much. Would you close your eyes this morning? See, God loves you. He does love us, but this morning you need to hear that he loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to die in your place because of sin. That he created us to be in relationship with him, but sin, it, it caused this huge gap between us and God. And he cared so much about us. He didn't want to spend eternity without us, so he sent his son to take our place, to pay for what we couldn't. Because the path always requires payment, and we couldn't pay for the sins that we committed. We couldn't do enough good things to wipe it away. So Jesus came, and he paid the price for you and I. And as he paid the price for sin, when he rose from the dead, he not only defeated sin, but he defeated death. He defeated the enemy and he said, you know what? I have all of the keys and now I can continue to give life. Now we can get back to relationship. Now I can stand at the door of your heart and knock and you can hear it and open up and you can have relationship with him this morning. And so I'm gonna challenge you this morning. I'm not gonna lead you in a prayer. You can pray your own prayer if that's you this morning. It can just be as simple as, God, I, I've sinned and I need you to be my savior. Take control of my life. I give it all to you. It can simply just be, God, can you do something in my heart? I give you everything. The thief on the cross just asked Jesus to remember him and he experienced grace from the sacrifice that Jesus had made. 
So as the worship team sings, I'm gonna allow you a chance to respond. What has God been speaking to you today? Is it requiring you to stand up and give him praise as you see what he's been doing in your life? Is it you standing up and just offering your life in surrender, committing your life to him once again? Take these next few moments and respond to what the voice of God, what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning. that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.